One of the most used scripture verses or passages on Easter Sunday comes from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. It's printed for your convenience in your bulletin. We hope that you will listen to these words and hear about that very first Easter morning from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And she wept. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, She turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We, we recently had a church member go to Israel. Uh, because of COVID and all the lockdowns, uh, it wasn't possible to get into the country really and have any travel uh, if you were from outside the country until about March of this year. And she went right as the doors were opened up 
And so their tour was one of the first tours that got into the country and, and moved around. And one of the places that they got to go was to a place that was discovered by archaeologists within the last 120 years, and that is what they call the Garden Tomb. It's not the traditional place that they believe Jesus was buried and where the tomb was located. It's a new place, and it's a, a garden tomb because there is literally a garden there. There is a garden next to this tomb, and then away from it, just nearby, is this rock face, and the rock face almost looks like it has a face in it, almost naturally occurring to places where eyes would be and a mouth. It looks kind of like a skull because the rock is white. And so this archaeologists believe maybe this is Golgotha, the place of the skull. Maybe this is the actual tomb. And of course, we don't really know. We don't know if this is actually the place, but it makes sense based on what John tells us. And in this garden tomb, there is a place nearby where they would have grown grapes and olives, food for people, grapes for the making of wine. They even found a first century wine press. So when Mary turns around and, and sees this person standing next to her that she doesn't immediately recognize as Jesus, she supposes he's a gardener. Why? Because there's a garden right there. There are olive trees potentially and, and, and grapevines everywhere. She thinks it's somebody who is tending to the garden. And she wants to know if this person witnessed someone taking Jesus' body away. Why does she think that it's not there? Because she looked in. She knows the disciples also looked in, and he was not there. The only person that the gospel says believed at that moment was the beloved disciple, the person who may have written this gospel text. It doesn't say that Peter believed immediately, and it doesn't say that Mary believed. But I want to look at something important here. Mary was the one that came first. The other disciples were still locked away, hiding from the world out of fear. But Mary and others, according to other gospel readings, she goes to the tomb. And she finds that the stone is rolled away, and she goes and tells the disciples. And there's this awkward foot race where somebody has to win, and apparently it's the guy who wrote the gospel, right? Peter didn't win, it was the beloved disciple. John doesn't tell us how Mary gets back. We don't know if she ran or if she walked back weeping. We don't know. All we know is that the other disciples looked in and saw, and they went back home, but Mary came back, and she didn't leave. She stood there weeping, maybe trying to make sense of all this, maybe just wanting to be close to the one who had been her teacher, her guide her mentor, and likely the one that she believed was sent by God to be the Messiah, the one who would set the people free. Mary comes back, and she stays, and she's weeping, and that's who Jesus reveals himself to. He didn't re reveal himself to Peter, 
He didn't reveal himself to John, the beloved disciple, who even believed. He revealed himself to Mary. And you need to know that this is sort of crazy in a sense because according to that culture back then, in order to be believed, you had to have two men say that they witnessed something and it was true. You couldn't believe the testimony of a child and you couldn't believe the testimony of any women. Now who thinks that was a good idea? <laughs> Talk to any man who's come back from a fishing trip, right? Why would Jesus reveal himself to somebody who could not verify that he had risen? Because Mary stayed. Mary came back. She was heartbroken. She was weeping. He came to her, and he revealed himself. He says to her, Mary. And you know what she says back? Rabboni. Well, I've heard one translation. It's not just teacher. It's my teacher. My teacher. My master, right? My my. She loved and respected him. She stood weeping because she didn't understand what was going on. She came back and he revealed himself to her. I don't know if you've lost a loved one in your life. I don't know if that has happened to you, but if it has and you were able to have a service, it means so much to have people come back and to stand in line. It doesn't really matter what they say at all, right? It doesn't matter what they say. It's just that they are there, their face, their, their condolences. It just means so much when other people show up in our lives because they cared. I remember being in seminary. I was in my uh, young 20s and my grandmother passed away. It was my last grandparent and I went back home and there were people from school and there were people from my old life that all showed up and it meant so much that people came back and they were there to be with me, to cry and to be in solidarity. Mary came back. She didn't go away back home to ponder these things, to sort of wonder what's going on. Mary came back. And I think that she, for us today, shows us what's so important about being a believer, being a follower of Jesus, to keep coming back. The difficult times make us want to leave and go away. The hard times challenge us, and we're trying to make sense of it all. But the moment that we stop coming back is the moment we start drifting away and we start losing hope and we start becoming negative. We start becoming people lacking faith and hope. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being somebody who doesn't have hope. The world can crush hope and I need it. I've got to have it. I don't want to go through this life being without joy. I mean, you know me, I tell so many bad jokes. You're probably wondering, why haven't I said one yet, right? That doesn't count, okay? 
I like to have joy. Joy is something that we need. You know, we have prophets from the Old Testament. We've got prophets from the New Testament. We have prophets from Margaritaville who tell us <laughs> that without laughter we will go insane, right? That's probably the only thing that I'll preach from him, okay? <laughs> joy gives us the power and the endurance to keep going. Mary came back, and she got to see and to touch. She held on to Jesus, right? She was the first one to touch him, and he says, you know, don't hold on to me. He didn't say, stop touching me. He just said, don't hold on to me. He welcomed it, but he said, you know, I've got more to do. I've got more people to see. I'm here for you. He chose her, but he's got more people to go see. She matters greatly, but there's more joy to pass around. We read John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. We saw Peter and the beloved disciple come. We saw the beloved disciple believe and go back home. Do you know what happens in verses 19 and 20 and following? That same day, that evening, the disciples, including Peter and the beloved disciple, are huddled up, scared for their lives in a locked door. Peter saw the empty tomb. The beloved disciple believed, and they're still locked in fear. Easter had happened, and they were still afraid. Jesus comes to them next and shows them his resurrected body. And he tells them all the things that they need to know. They didn't come back, and so they were still afraid. They were not living with joy. It wasn't until Jesus came to them. So here's the second thing. Even if you don't come back, sometimes God comes to you, right? How many of us have gone in that path of not having joy and not having what we need, and someone, whether it be God or a friend, come and bring it to us. I want to say to you that just like Jesus busted through that locked door and brought joy to the disciples, God wants to do the same thing for you and for me. For those places in our lives where we're too afraid to come back to the empty tomb, God can bring that to us as well. It's not a matter of us paying our dues and showing up to church every week. That's not the point. The point is, is that God wants to be in a relationship with us. And if we come back, we can get it. And even if we don't come back, He might be able to get to us and get us back to Him. Because that's ultimately what God wants. He wants us. He wants us. The whole point of the resurrection is not simply to show how magnificent God is, that He brought His Son back to life. It was that His Son was raised from the dead so that we might have a future with God forever, and that we might have a relationship with Him, that we could be restored and things made right in our lives. Scholar and, and pastor N.T. Wright tells us that the ultimate goal 
that God has is not just the resurrection of Jesus so that, so that we can then go to heaven. That's true. But it's also this, the resurrection is a sign that God has not forgotten His promises to us, that God is going to be faithful to us. He promised to restore us, and He's going to do it. And He intends to heal all creation, everything and everyone. And He has defeated sin and death. All of this is what God wants to say to us through resurrection. It's the eighth sign in the Gospel of John. If you were here earlier in the year, we talked about the seven sign miracles, these miraculous things like Jesus walking on water, turning water into wine, feeding multitudes. All these signs were supposed to point to who God is and who Jesus is. They were sign miracles. They pointed to something else. Seven signs. Well, some people say that the death of Jesus and the resurrection are the eighth sign pointing to all this good things that God wants to accomplish. The eighth sign, the first person who saw it was Mary who came back. God wants to build this relationship back with us, and so, N.T. Wright says, if God wants all these things to happen, He has to start somewhere. So He starts with Mary, and with Peter, and John, and the other disciples. He finally gets to Paul, and all of a sudden He gets to all these other people. In order for God to put the world back together the way it should be, He starts with people. He puts people back together first, and then He asks us to help put the world back together the way it should be. He puts us back together, healing us, restoring us, turning us into people who are different because of what happened on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday was not the end of the story. Mary didn't just say, I've seen the Lord, and it ends with an exclamation point. No, it continues. Jesus continues to show up to the disciples to tell them about what's next. Easter is the beginning of God putting people back together the right way to restore our relationship with God so that we can help God restore everything else. God's healing grace can work in the lives of His people to turn them from sinners into co-workers, from rookies into saints. But it all starts at the power of the resurrection. We're called to bear the image of Jesus. We're called to be proof that the resurrection is real. One of the examples that N.T. Wright uses is that of a mirror. Now I know what you're thinking. That can't be yours, right? It's not. It's my wife's. She made me clean it before I brought it in. N.T. Wright says that human beings are supposed to be like this mirror. Why? We are supposed to be like a mirror, and if I'm blinding somebody, I'm sorry. God's light shines down upon us, and we are angled, hopefully, at the right position that we then share that light with others. Right? We're supposed to bear the image of God. We're supposed to show, we're supposed to show that God 
is real. The resurrection matters. We're supposed to demonstrate this to others. We're supposed to live with joy, right? When we don't, it's almost like this. Instead of reflecting the power of the resurrection, we start, res we start reflecting the world to other people. We start reflecting the nastiness and the meanness and the, the bad things of the world. We start looking like the bad things out there and people say, well, what use is the church if all they do is judge people and are mean to people and all these things? What use is that? And it's because we sometimes don't reflect the image of God to the world. We're supposed to be image bearers. We're supposed to be the ones reflecting Easter to other people. We're supposed to reflect what happened and to let it reverberate through our lives forever. Because Easter Sunday is just the beginning. Mary came back and she got more. Jesus came back to them over and over again to prepare them for what lay ahead. And the more that the resurrection can work in us, the more that that light can be reflected into the right and good places in the world. And that means you and I have got to be better at being the mirror tilted in the right direction. We've got to show up again and again in our relationship with Christ so that we are bearing that image and sharing the joy of this day. Please do not leave from this place today. Even if you're at a rough place, please do not leave from this place today without knowing that God loves you and he wants a future with you and a future of hope for you. Even if you're not ready to reflect that light, know that there is something more because of this day. And if you have had joy today, if the music and the scripture have provided you just the right Easter message for today, go forth from here and let that light shine all around because it makes a difference. Even if it doesn't immediately make an impact, it will. Recently, I had a, a, a person who has been attending our church come up to me. She said, so preacher, I hear they're moving you to a new church this summer. And I said, I, I know, I know, I didn't ask to move. And she interrupted me in the midst of me trying to explain everything. She said, well, you're not the reason I come here anyway. <laughs> and I said, okay, all right. She said, you know, one of your church members treated me the way that I think God would want to treat me. She said her life was a mess and everybody knew it. Nothing was going right and people started keeping their distance away from her. It was almost like it was too awkward to be around her because they didn't want to bring up what was going on. They didn't want to talk about it. Not this lady from Bluff Park Methodist. She kept checking on me and inviting me to chat. She even invited me to church. She said, when I visited, most people were so nice to me. They were smiling and caring and they want, made me want to come back. She said, I knew something was happening here to make people act like that. 
When I came to this church, it was like most of the faces in this place were reflecting the face of Jesus. And I had to wonder, I had to wonder what was going on in her mind when she encountered this person from our church, when she encountered other people that shared and reflected the light with her. Did she say something like Mary in her heart? I have seen the Lord. Friends, the resurrection is a powerful message, but it's not just for today. It's for the rest of our lives. We are freed from sin and death. We are freed from fear, and we are freed to be something good in the name of God in this world. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us, and I hope that you found this message to be meaningful and life-giving. I look forward to you joining us next time, either on our live stream on Sunday mornings here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. It's at 10 o'clock a.m. Or if you want to join us in person, you're welcome to do so. Also here at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find out more about our church family, who we are, what we do, and how to get involved, as well as more information about our worship services at www.bluffparkumc.org. Hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.